Welcome to the This Week in Golf podcast, and we're going to cover the RBC Canadian Open, Live Golf, uh, well, the Live Golf merger with the PGA Tour. It's been a week since that's happened, so we'll just update where we're going with that, a U.S. Open preview, and then finally, the subject of the day, which is team golf, is not dead, it's not going anywhere, it's here to stay. And that was proven this last weekend at the RBC Canadian Open when there was a playoff between Nick Taylor and Tommy Fleetwood. Nick Taylor is Canadian. Obviously, it was the Canadian Open. And uh, it was interesting because at the end, during the playoffs, they both end up 17 under par, and they end up going into a sudden-death playoff that went four holes. But an interesting thing happened during said playoff, and that was that all of the Canadians, the the PGA Tour players like Corey Connors, and uh, Mike Weir, they all came out on the course and were like circled around the green. And then and then uh, the English players, well, some of the European players like Shane Lowry and Justin Rose came out and they were kind of rooting for Tommy Fleetwood. And so the NBC broadcast picked up on the uh, on the action. You know, they're always looking for a story and an angle to sell us on. And so, of course, they stole us on this, you know. Nick Taylor and his and his uh, friends from Canada are really pulling for him. The PGA players from Canada versus the PGA players from from England, and they created this whole little <laughs> micro drama of the of the players, not just the players that were actually playing, but you know the the um, what do they call it? Well, they're they're friends, we'll say. So, anyways, so that was going on, and it ended up being one hell of a playoff in the very first hole. Fleetwood ends up training like a 20-footer down the hill to keep the playoff going. And then um, uh, it goes for a few holes. And then finally, in the fourth playoff hole, Nick Taylor drains like a 70-foot putt. He was on the green. He was on the front of the green, and he hits the flag stick. It goes in. The crowd goes crazy. Everybody rushes the green, and they're spraying champagne, and the security guard you got to see the video of this. Just do a YouTube search or Twitter or whatever your favorite social platform is. And there is a great clip of um, the security guard. When the players all rushed the green, they came out with a, um, a bottle of champagne. And Adam Hadwin was the player who ran out. And he gets tackled by security, taken to the ground. There's actually some funny videos. There was a really, really funny video. I'll link to it in the in the. Uh, in the comments, but there's a funny video where they show this angle where the security guard like has to do a swim move to get around Nick Taylor and his caddy. And then he like kind of does this like diving move at Adam Hadwin. He goes around Nick Taylor and the caddy and he like gets into um, Adam Hadwin's like stomach, wraps him up perfectly, takes two steps, drives him to the ground and like tackles him. And the video is funny because they they show all these like NFL players. And I don't know if you've ever seen these, but they'll do these like top 100 players in the NFL. And so it'll be like, um, like who's a good one? Like Nick Bosa, right? It'll be like Nick Bosa's the players. And then the other players, they'll have 
talk about him. So it'll be like a tackle from the other team. Like, oh, he's got all the skills. He can dip. He can go over. And they kind of like dub this over <laughs> the security guard tackling the guy. So it was pretty great. But yeah, having said all that, the team game is not going anywhere. Because again, this whole concept, like, like when you watch a live tournament, if you ever have, they're hard to find. But if you've ever watched one, what will end up happening at the end is like, someone will be in contention to win it and all his teammates will be there and all the teammates of the other team will be there. And then when they win, they come out, they're spraying champagne. They'll do a whole trophy ceremony. It is one of the things they have gotten right as far as the celebration. I mean, a guy wins a golf tournament. He's getting paid at least a million bucks on the PGA Tour, three million at a live event. You know, let's celebrate. Let's have a good time. So that was that. Now, Let's talk about, again, this team game and this team concept, you know, started by Liv, and now we have this merger. So let's talk about where we are in the merger and what we know about the merger kind of one week later. And I think there's a lot of people who, the, the loudest voices will say in the media, are speaking with their hearts and not their minds. And you have to look at this from, from just a... a business perspective and I always love it when the PGA Tour players say well I'm not a business person but well technically you are a business person you're in the business of you so you should know a thing about that but here's here's what I'm I'll break it down okay so you're gonna have a new organization and we're just gonna call that organization the entity for ease of purpose in this podcast but really, it's going to be the PGA, it's going to be the DP World Tour, and it's going to be LIV, right? And the Saudi Investment Fund, the PIF, the PIF, People's Investment Fund. I don't know what it stands for, Public Investment Fund. So they're going to create this entity. So you have to stop and think about, like, what are the assets of each organization kind of going into it? And the PGA has some assets. Just look these up. Um and here, here's the PGA Tour assets. They have tournament revenue, so they're really good at throwing tournaments and making money via tournaments, which basically anybody could do. They have media rights. Okay, you only get the media rights if you have the best players in the world. And quite honestly, in the previous one, the tournament revenue is going to be based on who's playing at the tournament, right? They have the tournament players clubs, TPC, as you may know them. So these are golf courses and... Um, corporate licensing, and then investments. They say they had to use all their money for investments for legal fees, so that's out the door. So really they have tournament revenue, media rights, and then these golf courses and some licensing of the product. So that's their assets. And then Liv has assets as well. And, and the assets that Liv has are player contracts. So they actually have players under contract for three years, two years, whatever those contracts are. So those are actual a value. Like, you know, Brooks Kepcha can't go back and play on the PGA Tour even if he wanted to because he's under contract from Liv. So he would have to get out of that contract somehow. Or it's, it's no different, right? Now, the Tour, they don't have player, they don't have player contracts. They have where else you're going to play, but that's about it. And once Liv starts, that's why they knew they were vulnerable from the beginning. And that's probably why they, they wanted to fight so hard because if, if, I bring players in and I give them guaranteed money. That means I own them for 
a set amount of time. They're contracted to me to do work. Okay. They can't go work somewhere else. So that's, that's one of the things. And then the other one, um, there's two other assets that Liv has. One of them is the teams, which I'll go into a little, a little bit deeper next time. And we've already talked about this team golf concept, but they have the teams and then they have TV rights from the CW, which aren't really much. And you could say the teams aren't really much either, but to a degree they are. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. And then the other kind of uh, the third group that's involved here is the players themselves. The players are individuals. They aren't union or organized in any way to control anything, which they sure should be. I'm not saying they should unionize, but I'm saying they should do something to control the votes or the money. Or I mean, they have some power here just as individuals. Um, but players on an individual basis, they have they basically have two things. They have individual sponsorships. So their hats, their shirts, the logos, the clubs they wear, any commercials they could do outside like AT&T or whatever that like Spieth does or these other players do. So those are those, their, those interests. And then they have their name, image, and likeness, which I don't think they have a lot of control over once they're on the tour. Um, they don't really have a way to to monetize their own name, image, and likeness other than getting a commercial or for McDonald's or Gatorade or something like that. So those are kind of the three things, the tour or the PGA tour, the live tour, and then the players themselves. And then, so now we have this new entity that we're going to create, right? And the primary investor in the entity is the PIF and that's his excellency Yasser. And he controls the money. They're the primary investment. They're the, the primary investor in the new organization. And they have the right to first refusal. Now, there's some chit-chat and chatter out there about, well, Jay Monahan's running stuff still. And this guy, Jimmy Dune. And there's going to be five seats. And Yasser's got one of them and the other four are PGA people. So they're going to have the votes. But see, here's where you're, you're missing a point or those folks are missing a point. Um, the investment that the PIF is making into this organization, let's just say it's uh, $500 billion. They're going to make a, an investment of $500 billion into this. Well, it's not like one day they're just going to show up, create the entity, and put $500 billion in it. They're going to put $100 billion into it, and they're going to have an agreement to put in $500 billion but you have to meet certain criteria to get the next investment. This is how investment is done in the in the private equity or I don't even know the term, but this is how it's done. If you have a startup in the Silicon Valley that's doing the hottest AI thing in the world, someone's going to invest money into you. They're not giving it to you all at once. They're going to incrementally give it to you, maybe once every quarter, once every half year, once a year. And again, this is based on performance incentives. And if you're not performing, you're not getting the next round. Or let's just say you don't perform the first quarter. The next quarter, ownership's going to come in, the money, and they're going to say, we think you should do this. And so guess what? You're going to do that. And then if that doesn't work out, then they're going to bring the consultants in for the next time they pay you out. So your control is dwindling at every step. Okay. So that's that. The other thing about this entity is just think about it from a broad perspective is you have this entity, you have somebody investing in it. 
What is the, the investor expecting to get out of this? You know, if you invest in a commercial real estate property, you're expecting to get cash on a monthly basis. And then at some point you want your overall investment to grow from say a million dollars to $3 million. So that's what this is all about. They're starting something and they're figuring, how can I cre increase the value of my investment? Okay, so it, the PGA tour is not growing. It's, it's a very consistent business and it has been for a long period of time, but it's not growing. So ask yourself, how are they going to make money in this thing? And we circle back to the theme of the day, which is the team game is not dead because that's what this live is going to be all about. It's going to simply be that the teams are going to be where the money's at. Live is going to continue on. Dustin Johnson just said this week when interviewed that he heard it from Yasser himself that the 2024 schedule is still intact. They're booking it out. 2025, the players are under contract. So somebody coming in and thinking they're just going to slice live and have these guys begging to get back on the PGA Tour, you're just mistaken. You're just mistaken. Because this is this live thing is going to continue on. So here's how it works now with the captaincy, or uh, excuse me, with the teams. If you're the captain of the team, so if you're Dustin Johnson, you get 25% ownership of that team. And then... Uh, the remaining 75% of that team is now they're talking about selling them for upwards of seven figures. So over $100 million, you could be the owner of a live team. And then you could sponsor that team. I mean, technically, I guess if you just had the money and you were like a billionaire, you could buy the team and then own it. And you could sell off the rights for the sponsorships, the corporate, the corporate uh, sponsorship for that team. Okay, so these teams are going to have some value to them. And then the, the other players on the team, maybe they get a percentage of the ownership. And then maybe you like have some spots for alternates. You're obviously going to have expenses with the team and things like that. So that's where this is going. Now, again, just playing along the same side, you go, well, okay, so you have the PGA Tour. You still have Liv. Um, and but you want to have some good competition between the two, right? So you need some sort of like promotion or relegation. So if people aren't performing even at, a, at an individual level on your team, uh, you might want to kick them off your team and kick them back to the tour. And maybe there's someone on the tour that you're going to bring up. Same idea right now, the way the tour is. Maybe you give Rama a team, you give Matsuyama a team, and then they come over to live. You play in the team competition and the individual competition. That's a little bit more hazy to me, but I think there's going to be something like that. And then, and I, and I really ultimately see these teams as almost like NFL franchises. And with those teams, they're probably going to have a home course. So like the team, because I don't know if you noticed it, but like there's a South African team, right? So they have a team, South Africa, they get a course. They have a home course, and then once a year you have an event down in South Africa. You have an event in Australia. You have an event in Japan. You have a bunch of events in the United States, England, and Europe, right? So out of the 14 events, you could have, if there's 14 teams, every team could have a home event. And then every team could have a home course. And then every home course could have a stadium hole. You see where we're going with this whole thing, right? So this is, this is how I see... 
them getting an increased value on their investment. Now, maybe they have some other ways. Obviously, it's a week into the deal. We'll see how it works out. But that's kind of where I think this whole thing is going. All right. Final topic for this week's podcast is the U.S. Open preview. It's at uh, Los Angeles Country Club, the North Course. And I've just been watching some of the uh, experts on YouTube of the player interviews and what they're saying about the course. But here's what we know about these U.S. Opens is that um, the longer hitters are going to do well and then the guys that have done well in, in other tournaments, the guys that do well at tough courses, right? This is the same thing that the PGA Championship was all about. The guys that tend to play good uh, on the harder courses, so not a, not when you have a final score of 18 under, 17 under like was last week, right? When you have a final score that's going to be like two to three under par, which who knows what it's going to be, but it, but it's going to be somewhere around there. I mean, it's probably going to be less than eight under par. So look at the people who have played well in the past, particularly the people that have played well at Torrey Pines in San Diego, because it's a very similar course. Not similar, but it's long. It's going to be deep rough. Um, it's West Coast, so you're going to have a marine layer in there some of the days. And the greens are similar. So look for guys like Rom, Max Homa, obviously. Kepch is in great form. I wouldn't... Uh, I'd put him as the favorite right now. Hovland just won and was playing good at the PGA Championship. Um, obviously, Scheffler, if he can putt, heard he changed his putter. So excited. And this is what, like, the PGA Championship a couple weeks ago and now the U.S. Open, the best players, right? The best players from Liv versus the best players from the PGA. It's in the U.S. Open. So this is going to be great. And this is kind of like, how things are going to be moving forward. I will leave you with one final thought. I bet that they will do some sort of end-of-year tournament between Liv and the PGA this year. So after the FedEx, something in no- look for something to like pop up in November or something like that. Like Maybe like um, a 40-man field, 20, 20 of their guys, 20 of, of the PGA guys, and they do a tournament. Look for that. Because there's too much money to be made on something like that to pass it up. It would be like the Super Bowl. They can, they can, uh, you know, they call it the Super Bowl. I don't know. They'll have to give it some other sort of name because they can't use that. But you get where I'm going on this thing. So anyways, super excited for this week. I love the U.S. Open. It is a great week to watch golf. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And I will wrap it up and see you next week. Hey, it's Jeremy Callahan, and thanks for listening to This Week in Golf. Make sure and hit subscribe so you can get all the latest news and analysis from Golf BPM.